calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? Then you're going to want to tune into the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. And good morning. And I am joined this morning by Master Gardener, Teresa Rooney. Teresa, good morning. Good morning, Denny. It's nice to hear you uh, once again, and thank you so much for uh, sharing your expertise with our listeners uh, on our Smart Garden Show. If you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, and if you're a regular listener to the show, you know we tend to get really busy. So don't wait. Uh, if you have any kind of a, any kind of a lawn or garden question, call or text. It's just one number to remember, 651-461-9226. Well, we, uh, in some areas, had a little bit of rain. In fact, I heard it falling uh, just a few minutes ago, kind of a, a little bit of a downpour. Yeah, and, and I uh, just had thunder boomers overhead at my house. So. Okay. Uh, and I, uh, I, know, I know there are many people who believed in the no mow in May. Mm-hmm. Now, I think Julie may have clarified this. Uh, in fact, I think she did clarify it, Julie. I Weisenhorn, think she did. Yep. Mm-hmm. That that if you have you know certain clover or dandelions and certain other things that the pollinators love, yeah, don't mow. I don't have right. those. I have I have grass. <laughs> right. So you so can you're you, allowed to mow. You want to mow. <laughs> yeah. You and do that's, want to. Uh, and and fortunately, yep. that's what I did yesterday. In oh. time before the, uh, before the rain, the rain. Came. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know. And Denny, you know all this rain will just help the grass grow faster. Oh yes, yeah, absolutely. So. <laughs> especially if <laughs> so you, you fertilized, yeah. Especially if you fertilize, so you're going to have a job all season long. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> That's right. As my old boss used to say, "You asked for work when you came here." Um, yep. <laughs> Good point. And, <laughs> and so, if you do again, if you do have a lawn or garden question, don't wait. Uh, please uh, give us a call or send a text. Uh, speaking of text, uh, let's see here. Do do do. Oh, we've got a bunch already. All um, right. Let's see. Our yard's low spot, Texter says, accumulates snow melt water and freezes in the winter. Now, the hostas planted there do very well. Are there other plants that you can recommend that do well in those conditions? What do you think? Uh, Sure. If it's a shady area, a lot of your shady plants will do just fine there. Your silbies and things like that will do fine. Um, I would maybe, if you're going to put in coral bells, which are the hookerah, uh, maybe not in that area. Those are prone to crot rot, crot, um, uh, rot on their crown. 
in the spring if they're in a low-lying area. So keep a watch on your hostas just in case because they can have that too. But hopefully it's just a fast-draining area. Um, and if it's a sunny area, I wouldn't put things like delphiniums in there because they also can have crown rot very easily in the spring if they stay wet for too long. But that could be a nice area to put those plants if it's shady like um, astilbes or ligularias, something like that, because if the snow melt gathers there, probably rain gathers there too, and it's just a little more damp, and those plants like that dampness in the in the spring and all summer long. So throw in your astilbes, your ligularias, your ferns, your hostas, you have a beautiful woodland garden. Okay. Let's grab a phone call from uh, Sherry, who's calling in this morning, I believe, from Maplewood. Thank you, Sherry. What's your question for Teresa? Well, we have a Empress Wu hosta at our church. I'm jealous. I'm jealous. <laughs> and it was beautiful. But the hailstorm just did a number on it. There, all the large leaves are off. There's a couple of small ones down at the base. Yeah. What do we do with the stems? Because there's... They look kind of silly without any leaves on them. Sure. So depending upon, and hail can really mess up a plant. Usually in the early season, like we are now, the plant will outgrow that. It will put new leaves on. It will hide those damaged leaves. Um, you can watch those damaged leaves if they start getting all ratty and, and they look just so bad. You can cut them off, as it sounds like you've done there, Sherry. And um, otherwise, just, yeah, cut those stems back. So unless you see new growth coming with new leaves coming out of there, um, otherwise I would cut the stems back and just let her put on a new a new flush of growth. And if you know hail's coming and you have a beautiful plant like a hosta bed or an, a beautiful empress wool or something like that, if you can just throw something over over the plants during that storm. And usually I don't want I don't want you to go out there when it's hailing because that's dangerous for you. I don't want you hitting the head. But if you know in advance, you know throw a sheet over it, throw a, a light blanket. Put up a shade cloth, even even the floating roll covers that you might use in the in the fall uh, for frost protection. Throw that over just to break some of the damage. But understand, we're going to we are having a lot of hail these days, and that's going to impact your fruit, the apples that you're getting. It's going to impact a lot of things. So you may see some damage later on. That when you ask a master gardener, they'll say that's hail damage, and you'll say we haven't had hail in the last two months. But you're having it now. So, and Empress Wu is a huge hosta. She's just gorgeous. That's why I'm so jealous. So, good luck with that, Sherry. Very good. Again, our phone number is also our text number, 651-461-9226. This texture kind of goes back to how we began our conversations, Teresa. Uh, it says, we have uh, tall dandelions that went to seed and have not mowed yet this May. What's our next best step? Your next best step is to go ahead and mow. And the higher you can mow, the better, according to whatever your city limits may be also. But if you can let that grass get up to five inches and then mow it back down to four or three and a half, that's really beneficial for your grass. Think of the blades of the grass that's all, and then mow it back down to four or three and a half. That's really beneficial for your grass. Think of the blades of the grass. That's where all the photosynthesis grows. And you want goes and you want all those blades to be as long as possible. So you can go ahead and mow down those dandelions. They've done they've fed the bees. 
they've done that. And this way, too, then your neighbors won't be so upset if the dandelion seeds start flying around. You'll catch it before the seeds fly around, and you won't be spreading the dandelions unless you want them to spread. Then just let them set their seeds up. If you're in an area where you want them to spread, set the seeds up. But most of the time, it's best just to mow those seed heads down so you stick with just the plants you have. This listener said, uh, I have lost numerous established coral bells and hostas this year, and talking to other people from my area, they have had the same issue. Do you know of any reason that would have, uh, what would have caused this? You know, I would, I would think it could just be that, and, and I would be patient because sometimes those things have just been set back by the cold, and they just aren't coming up as fast. But otherwise, I would say um, if you can't be patient and you know they're dead, you've dug them up and there's nothing there, or you've dug them up and they're all rotted, then you know you have to replace them. I would put it on the tough year we had last year with drought, and you may have watered or you may have not watered enough or you may have watered too much. Or if you have a really wet spring or a really cold and wet spring, that can sometimes set plants back too. But but if you can, I would just maybe be patient and just wait to see if any life does start coming up. In the meantime, you can purchase some hostas or divide your other hostas to replace those. But if you can, just wait just a little while longer just to see. My hostas were very slow to emerge this year. and um, But I'm surprised they're out there because I didn't water at all last year. So they they have to be on their own. But I would I would guess that was the problem that you were having. It's just the weather, and there's not much you can do about the weather. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, Teresa, hang on, please. We're going to take a quick break here. We're going to be back with more Smart Garden on CCO. And uh, callers on the line, stay there. We're going to grab your calls when we come back as well. Right now in the Twin Cities, we have uh, some light rain falling in certain parts. You might even hear some thunder yet. Our current official CCO temperature reading 62 degrees. We're heading for a high today near 87, a breezy day. The high tomorrow near 89, Memorial Day Monday near 92. Again, right now, 62 here on News Talk 830. This is WCCO. Denny Long here for uh, my friends, and boy, we love heading to Malmberg's Garden Center. It's like, what do you want to do today? Let's go back to Malmberg's. Malmberg's Garden Center, you've heard that name a long time, I'll tell you when. They've been around and they've been open since uh, 1958, a great CCO land company. Again, two locations in Blaine and in Rogers, Minnesota. Thousands of plants you're going to find there. These are locally grown right there in their greenhouses. Uh, if you're in the market for trees or shrubs or annuals, perennials, you name it. And I also like to mention, too, their supply, their gardening supplies, tremendous amount of gardening supplies. And you know what else they have? A lot of expert advice in gardening, especially if you are a new gardener. You're going to get some great help uh, as a new gardener getting started with those good folks at Malmberg's Garden Center. Again, if you want to check them out on the web, you can find out more information. Just get on the web, malmbergsinc.com, A-I-N-C, malmbergsinc.com. But check it out yourself. See why so many of us love going to Malmberg's Garden Center. Been around since 1958. Two locations, Blaine and Rogers. On this holiday weekend, we're talking lawns and gardens. Denny Long here, along with Master Gardener Teresa Rooney, helping you out either by phone or by text. Here again is that number, 
888-528-9226. Teresa, let's grab a phone call or two and then more text messages. Uh, I think Dan is calling in from Lesur today. Uh, thanks, thanks for waiting, Dan. What's your question for Teresa? Uh, questions concerning daffodils. Uh, we planted new bulbs in the first year. They came up great. Now this year, um, one little bloom and not much green growth. There's nothing eating them or anything else. Um, they never got above five, six inches of green and then very limited. Uh, what's going on? Uh, Dan, um, when last year when they bloomed, did you let the leaves die down naturally? Well, I bet he's listening on the radio, Teresa. I bet he's listening on the radio. That's fine. So so what happens no. with our... With, oh, there he is. Okay. There he is. Okay. So what happens with our bulbs is they have to photosynthesize. So sometimes we plant our daffodils and our tulips, and we cut the, the leaves back soon after they finish blooming because we want to tidy up our gardens, or maybe they're in a shady spot. They don't get as much nutrition, as much photosynthesis from the sun as they need, and then they don't have the energy to to, to bloom the following year. One, some suggestions you could do now is to fertilize them with a nice bulb. Food would be fine, or even a 10-10-10, whatever you happen to have. That would be wonderful. And then if you can, leave the leaves standing up as long as possible. The ideal thing would be if the leaves can just die down on their own. And hopefully they'll have enough photosynthesis happening this year to put the energy back into the bulb so that next year they'll have the energy to flower. Uh, I hope that answers your question. Um, and usually you don't have problems with things eating the daffodils or the bulbs because they, they are poisonous. Good luck with that, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Uh, Texter says, I know it's not ideal, but can I still overseed my lawn? Sure, you can overseed your lawn. It's we have some great, uh, great uh, weather coming up for that. Meaning the the rains. Uh, go ahead, overseed your lawn. Uh, rough up the area a little bit. Get as much of the dead stuff out as you can. If you want to just even sprinkle in a little compost and mix that into the soil. Put your seeds down. Make sure they have good seed to soil contact, and then just keep it moist between you and Mother Nature. Remember, if you do overseed your lawn, though, you want to be careful and not put any fertilizer on that area or any uh, anything that would prevent crabgrass, your preventers on that area, because that will stop your grass seed from sprouting too. Sure, it's still cool out there, even though we're supposed to get 90, but for the most part, it's, it's still kind of cool. We're getting to the end of that time, but go ahead and overseed so you don't, so you don't have those bare patches. Good okay. luck with that. Back to the phones, Teresa. Kelly is calling in, I believe, this morning from Andover. Thanks, Kelly. What's your question, please? Good morning, Teresa. I have some questions regarding a chokecherry tree. Um, lots of seedlings, well, they wouldn't be seedlings, just the natural uh, little seedling things are growing up and kind of overtaking our lawn. Other yep. than managing them by cutting them, are, are, is there any other way to, A, remove them, um, and, and or, B, can I spade some out and try to transplant them somewhere. And then the second issue with this tree is there is like some thick black growth along many of the branches. I'm afraid of disease of some type. But oh, Kelly, you have some great questions there. Okay, so your choke cherry is suckering, which is what it normally does. 
that is totally predictable for it. The best thing to do is keep running over everything with your lawnmower and just keep cutting it. Those trees just do that. That's what they do. That is how they propagate themselves in in one way along with seeding and everything else. If you do have some seedlings that are a little further out, you can go ahead and between the seed and the the mother tree, just take your, I'm sorry, the seedling and your mother tree or the, the sucker, just Chop way down with your shovel so that you're cutting the, the um, root between the mother and the daughter. And then wait like maybe a week and see, did that seedling survive or did that sucker survive? If it did, then go ahead, dig it up and plant it in another plot, in another area. And then you'll have another choke cherry. The disease that you're seeing is called black knot. And you do need to get that out of your tree. It, it can kill the tree if you leave it on there long enough. So what you want to do is take a good pruner, clean it, sterilize it. And you want to go back at least a foot between that black knot that you see on the tree and the trunk of the tree. At least a foot uh, and then prune at a proper part uh, near another branch or something. Sterilize your pruner and then make your next cut and then sterilize your pruner and make your next cut and get all that black knot out of the tree. Try to do it on a day when it's not really humid and maybe we don't expect rain. So it's going to be a little bit drier. Maybe even a little dry wind would be good just to seal everything up and not let that fungus come back. Um, black knot is, is really typical on a lot of our on a lot of our pruner species. So it is something you have to watch for. Good luck with that, Kelly. All right, very good. You know what? Uh, we're up against the clock a little bit. We're, it's almost time for to look at that forecast to see what the rest of the holiday and this coming week's weather promises. Frank, you're going to be next in the phone, and we'll grab more text messages as well. We have about another half hour or so to go on the Smart Garden Show here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Stay with us. Had a good Saturday morning to you. Denny Long back once again with Master Gardener Teresa Rooney on our Smart Garden Show. We are here every Saturday in the 8 o'clock hour answering your lawn and garden questions. And uh, let's see, Teresa. Yep, we have callers as usual and we have textures. So let's uh, let's put you back to work. And again, uh, I want to mention when we do come back after Frank's call, we'll, uh, we'll talk about the Arboretum and the University oh, yeah. of Minnesota website. Because I wanted oh, yeah. to talk about lawn care there too, among other things. Uh, Frank in Roseville has been waiting to ask you a question. Uh, thank you, Frank. What is your question for uh, for Teresa? Yes. Hi. Good morning. Um, I've got several different types of trees in my yard, and, and for some reason, the squirrels are attacking an elm, trying to defoliate it. Looks like, and I'm just wondering if they can damage that. I've cleaned up several times already after them. Frank, thanks for your question. I'm sorry you're having squirrel issues. What the squirrels are doing right now is they're doing a lot of pruning, um, and they're just kind of clearing their, their the limbs on the tree so that they can run faster and, and have a clearer area. They're not going to damage your tree at all. Uh, just so it's okay with the squirrels. It's, it's just what they do. They're gathering things for their nests. They're They're just, and, and they, their teeth keep growing all the time, so they gnaw a lot. They're it's just what squirrels do. Okay. So you should be okay. And um, and thanks for waiting to answer. have your call answered, Frank. 
It's a squirrel thing. Okay. It's a squirrel thing, yeah. All right. Uh, my spruce tree, a texter says, the new growth looks crimped and shriveled. What's uh, wrong, do you think? Oh, that's a new one on me. I'm not sure why the new growth would do that unless it was damaged as it was coming out by maybe a severe frost or something like that. That the crimping tells me there's something in in the in the environment that happened to it, like like a frost, like it was hit by a heavy hailstorm when it was still just just so, before it came out. Something damaged it. Um, you could go online, of course, to extension.umn.edu and do some checking. They should be okay. The needles might look a little weird when they come out. Hopefully everything will straighten out a little bit, and the tree should be just fine. Uh, I don't think you're seeing a disease issue or an insect issue. It sounds more like an environmental issue, but I would definitely go online and check out the um, extension website to see if that comes up with anything else. I'm glad you brought that up, Teresa. That is such a tremendous research tool uh, and great reading, no matter what what the subject matter. And I I always like to refer to the, uh, especially those folks that are interested in, in their lawn care, Exactly. Uh, some great, a great plan of action there. Uh, and if you're looking for plants, or you look, and you can get uh, other information too, like what yep. what plant is is, what diseases, all this great it's, stuff. It's amazing. What's it really there. is. Well, you and your colleagues uh, certainly you know yourself, Teresa, that our friends like Mary and Teresa and and their colleagues. Mary and Julie. Have, mm-hmm. yep. and Julie they do a have, good job working there, yeah. Um, you know, another thing that's nice about the extension website is you can connect to the Ask a Master Gardener page. You can get great landscape information. And also, you know, you may have been growing a lawn for a, a few years and think you know it, but we're finding new things all the time about how to grow lawns better or new diseases or insects that are coming in. So it's great to check in on that website, especially on rainy days like today or or when it's 90 degrees and you don't want to go out and stay in the air conditioning. Check in on the website and, and see what's going on and see the new stuff that, that they're finding out all the time. It's just amazing what's on there. It really is great site, extension.umn.edu. All right, back to uh, the callers and texters. Let's see. Here's a text that says, how should I treat powdery mildew on young nine bark shrubs? Well, nine bark is, is a wonderful shrub. It has very interesting leaves, can have some really pretty flowers. Um, it, it can grow in a little bit of shade. Nine bark is totally prone to powdery mildew. So if it's in an area where it doesn't get a lot of air circulation or maybe it's a little shadier or the plant's a little thicker, a little bushier, it's going to get powdery mildew. Now, the best thing to do is to find a plant that might be resistant to it. But if it's going to get powdery mildew, then that's just something you can live with. It's not going to kill the plant, but it does make it unsightly. So what you need to do is understand that if this plant that you have gets powdery mildew every year, you have to think right down on your calendar, what's the first day you saw powdery mildew? If, if it hasn't happened yet, then you may want to start treating right now to prevent powdery mildew. Once you see things like powdery mildew and you start spraying for it, you're only playing catch-up. You will never get ahead of the disease. You need to stop it before it comes in. So it's, it's those fungal spores are in the air. It just lands on that plant. The same with lilac can get a powdery mildew. Your squash gets powdery mildew in the, in, in the later season. Some plants are just prone to it. And flocks and 
there's a lot of plants that are prone to it. But if you can thin it out a little bit, give good air circulation, make the less stress on the plant and other ways, keep it well watered, fertilize or add some compost if necessary. Those things can all go to to help the plant stay strong and not, not succumb to powdery mildew. Usually it doesn't kill the plant, like I said. It just looks unsightly. So you need to treat before you see it. And you can go to your garden center and find some good treatment options there at your garden center or go to the extension website and see how to control powdery mildew. Good luck with that one. Teresa, this listener has a large ash tree, and the question is, how do we treat to protect the tree? How much, how often, and how do we know if it's infected already? Uh, You could have a a landscaper look at it, a certified arborist look at the tree, and they can tell you if it's infected. They would see the areas that are flagging where the leaves aren't getting as much nutrition because the bores are already in there stopping the leaves from getting the water and the nutrients that they need. You can also then, your that certified arborist could set you up on a program where they would be the, do the injections into the plant or the soil, whatever they do. Um, there are some on-the-market things that the owners can do uh, to help prevent that. Uh, so I would, first of all, if it's a big tree, it's a big investment, find a certified arborist, have them look at the tree to make sure the tree is as healthy as it can. They'll give you a lot of tips, and then their company may provide some information about how to how to treat it, or they may provide that service. Or you can definitely go back to the extension website, extension.uman.edu, and look up how to treat for um, emerald ash borer. Um, that's that's what you can do. But it usually comes down to using a systemic, which makes the entire tree uh, poisonous to the elms. To, to, I'm sorry, poisonous to the ash borers. I misspoke okay. there. All right. This uh, listener, Teresa, says, what is your recommendation for a hydrangea used for screening? Oh, this is where we get to talk about the arboretum. Okay, so so as soon as you can, get out to the arboretum. Go to their hydrangea test site. You will see what hydrangeas look like when they're growing with not a lot of super care. I mean, they they may water them occasionally. I don't even know if they do that there anymore at the Arboretum. I think they watered them when they put them in years ago, and it's their test site, and they're just seeing how tough these little babies are. And some of them are beautiful. They'll be big and beautiful. Some will be smaller. But you'll find the one that works right for you. And remember that that, uh, most hydrangeas like a little shade from the west sun, so they're not really a full sun plant. Some can take a little more sun than others, but they also, a lot of them do great in the shade. But I would definitely head out to the Arboretum and see what they look like. Figure out which kind of flowers you like, what colors you like, how tall you want it to be, how wide you want it to be, and then see what they actually look like in real life right out at the Arboretum. And that's right out on Highway 5, just past yeah. 41. That's right. 5 and 41, you'll be you're almost right there at their front door. I noticed, yeah. uh, Teresa, as you probably have, a lot of uh, there's a lot of uh, interest now in the Arboretum. I'm seeing uh, more like TV stations, local TV stations picking up on it uh, like it's uh, brand new, and maybe for a lot of people it is. But what a <laughs> great destination. Uh, check it out yourself. The Ar- Minis- University of Minnesota Landscape Arboretum to uh, be... You know, uh, it's amazing because it's beautiful. You can get a lot of ideas out there. And, you know, I know everybody wants to get out and travel, but then you see sticker shock when you see the, the prices for airline tickets or gas. 
maybe spend a long weekend going out to the Arboretum twice, get your tickets, go out there, spend some time at the Arboretum, just get out in nature, walk around, hang out with your family, you know, see the different sites. There's so much, they have the bee house out there. They have the farm out there. There's so much to see. It's it's really amazing. And you can get something to eat too. And you can get something to eat too. And you can just, if you just want to find a bench and just sit and veg out and read a book, that's okay, too. What a great surrounding. Yeah, check out the Arboretum. I know we have to, I'm being signaled here, we need to uh, take a quick break, but we have more show to come. Uh, if you have any kind of a lawn or garden question, call it in or text it in. Same number for either, 651-461-9226. We'll take this break. Be right back here on News Talk 830 WCCO. Any law here back once again for our friends at Malmberg's Garden Center. Yes, you say, yeah, I've heard that name. I've heard that name for years. Well, I'll tell you exactly how long they've been around. This has been a CCO land company since 1958. Two locations, and I'll mention it again later. They're in Blaine and in Rogers, Minnesota. Uh, what are you going to find there? Like a lot of folks like me, you're going to find thousands of plants. And by the way, they're locally grown in their greenhouses. You're going to find trees. You're going to find shrubs. If you're in the market for any annuals, certain perennials, and if you need gardening supplies, you're going to find them there at Malmberg's Garden Center. Uh, And if you need some help, what do you get there? You get expert advice in gardening. And if you are a new gardener or maybe you know somebody who is and they want to help, what do you get there? You get expert advice in gardening. And if you are a new gardener or maybe you know somebody who is and they want to get started, the folks at Malmberg's Garden Center are really great at helping out those uh, new gardeners. Check them out on the web if you like, malmbergsinc.com, malmbergsinc.com. But better yet, head out there. Again, Malmberg's Garden Center located in Blaine and in Rogers, Minnesota. Get out there. And you can use that number to ask your lawn and garden questions of Master Gardener Teresa Rooney on this Smart Garden Saturday, holiday weekend. Uh, Teresa, we have callers and we have texters. Let's see if we can't do some kind of a lightning round here before we uh, end up uh, running out of time. Uh, Keep in mind now, next hour for our listeners, uh, our home improvement show will get underway. So if you have any kind of a home improvement question, uh, save those for next hour for Andy Lindis. Right now, let's uh, grab a phone call. Sharon is calling in from Eden Prairie this morning. Sharon, thanks for waiting. What's your question for Teresa? Good morning. I'm hoping you can help me. Um, I had quite a large river birch taken down, and I am unable to grind the stump out because of irrigation and other things Mm -hmm. and dry now, and it's seeping a lot. Now, what's my alternative? Other okay. than drilling it and putting poison or whatever in there. To... You you said something was seeping. I, I it cut out. What what was happening? Oh, river birch. So it's seeping. Yep. And um, I want to know what my alternative is for being unable to grind the stump out. 
Okay, so if I understand it, you had a river birch, took it down, there's still a stump there, and the stump is seeping. There's not much you can do. It's a big root system, and uh, just like uh, maples run sap in the spring, river birch run sap, and all the water in the roots is going up to that tree that's no longer there. There's not really much you can do. Um, eventually, those those all those capillaries and everything will close, and the, the roots will die because there's no information coming back down. But for right now, they're just sending water and nutrition up to the trunk uh, where the branches used to be. So there's not much you can do. Okay. Uh, this texter, uh, Teresa, says, we have moss in many parts of our yard and flower gardens, not just shady areas. Mm-hmm. Uh, they want to know what causes this and how do we control or get rid of it. Okay, so if you don't want the moss, you can uh, pull it up and then just toss it in your compost bin if you want to or however you want to get rid of it. Moss is there because the soil is compacted. There's not a lot of air circulation. It could be wetter or doesn't necessarily have to be. But most of all, the soil is not uh, not very rich in organic matter. So what you can do is just bring up more bring more organic matter into that soil, and then other plants will outcompete the moss. But the moss is there because other plants just there's not enough nutrition for them to live. So that's what you can do with moss. So get more air circulation and get some compost or some nutrition into that soil. This text, uh, Teresa, says, how do you harvest rhubarb and how often? Okay, so make sure that your rhubarb plant has been in the ground at least three years. You want to give it enough time to get that big, huge root system going that it needs. And then to harvest it, you just reach down near the base of the plant for the stem that you're going to harvest and just pull and twist. You never want to cut it. You want to pull and twist, and that will bring it out. Cut off the the leaf. You can leave the leaf in the garden. It's a wonderful compost. It will decompose very quickly, and then you just can harvest it. Uh, You can harvest two or three times during the summer. I'd probably start, depending upon how big your plant is and how healthy it is, you may want to stop harvesting by the 4th of July if your plant's not really super robust. If it's more robust, You can harvest a little later, maybe to the middle or end of July, but then stop because you want it to put out new growth, new leaves, so it can get lots of energy back to those roots so it can feed you again next year. Teresa, you know, once in a while we get questions about using uh, Epsom salts. This uh, listener says, do you ever use Epsom salt on your hosta, and is it good fertilizer for them? I I have never used it. Um, I would not suggest using it. Uh, the thing is, it's a salt, so it will build up in your soil. Um, most of our soils don't need the Epsom and the the uh, what what the what the Epsom is giving us. And also, you never know how much you're putting down. So if you've done a soil test and the soil test tells you to put Epsom salts, which will never happen in Minnesota, um, the, they wouldn't suggest that. But it's it's not regulated. You can't you can't figure out how much you're putting down, so you don't know what it's going to do to the biology of the soil. I would strongly suggest not using Epsom salts um, in in your garden. It's just you you don't know how you're going to impact the soil, and you you can't judge that. Okay, a couple of minutes to go on the show, Teresa. Last winter, this texter says during the really warm days in January, my three old uh, lilacs all started budding out. They only have two to three flowers on them now. I assume I have to 
cut them back, but how far? You you don't have to cut them back if you don't want to. If you want to prune them, you can prune them. You would prune them immediately after flowering. You can look at the extension website for regenerative pruning, extension.umn.edu. If they're so big and tall, you want to cut them back. You have two options. You can cut them all the way down to the ground. You won't see any flowers for two to three years. Or you can do a renewal pruning where you take out a third of them. And usually you do that, um, you can do that now if you want to, but or right after they bloom, or you can take them out in the in the in the early winter, late winter, early spring. You can take out a third of the biggest ones right down to the ground. More will sprout up and then you'll have more flowers at a lower level. And sometimes when we get those those early those early um, warm up times, the buds just come out too early. The plants are as confused as we are with the weather sometimes. I think we have time for one more question. Does it's a lawn question? Does it hurt to let the lawn grass uh, or the grass go to seed before mowing? No, you can let it go to seed if you want to. Uh, just remember, you only want to bring back, you only want to clip a third of that blade back again, a third of the grass blade back. Um, if you're letting crabgrass go to seed, that's probably not a good thing. But if it's just your fescue or um, Kentucky blue and going to seed, that's okay. Okay. Uh, quick one. How much sun can a summer crush hydrangea take? Uh, I'm not 100% sure about that one. I would say it could take easily your east sun, your south sun. Uh, make sure you water it if necessary. Maybe give it a little bit of shade from the west. Um, just watch those. They have big leaves, hydrangea, hydro water. They may need a lot of water to support those big leaves. All right, Teresa, in our last minute, uh, let's remind our listeners, first of all, if they have a chance to get to the Arboretum, but you have to make reservations online, right? You do. You do have to make reservations online. Uh, It's very easy to do, so do that. Please do that. And give us again that University of Minnesota website that's so fabulous. Extension.umn.edu. on the Yard and Garden line, and you'll have wonderful information. And they'll, uh, one thing we didn't talk about is you, they'll, you can find instructions on getting a, a soil sample tested as well. Yes, and now is a great time for soil samples. So yeah. please get your soil test in, and that will help set you up for the whole summer. Excellent. Teresa, thank you for your expertise. Always Thanks, fun to Danny. have you on the show. Thanks so much. Master okay, Gardener. Everybody take care. Yes, yes. Have a great rest of the weekend. Master Gardener Teresa Rooney with us. Uh, Again, get those home improvement questions ready. Andy Lindis will be joining us next hour here on CCO. Uh, We hope to see some clearing skies later today. The highs in the Twin Cities near 87. Right now, 62 on W. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Calling all pop culture enthusiasts. Are you obsessed with all things celebrity? Do you live for the drama, the laughs, and the unexpected moments that unfold on social media? 
then you're going to want to tune into the Comments by Celebs podcast. Join us three times a week as we deep dive into every aspect of pop culture. Whether it's dissecting the latest trends or just chatting about your favorite celebs, Comments by Celebs has you covered. We have new episodes out every week. Follow and listen to Comments by Celebs on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.